1: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories.
0: (laughs) 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 Savant, written by Ben Errington, narrated by Justin Fife. Gregory didn't like to frequent the establishments he often found himself in. These watering holes were full of bloated embarrassments of human beings whooping and yelling obscenities at whatever sport was playing on the television set on the wall. The floors were sticky and they smelt of stale beer, cigarettes, and vomit that must have been numerous days old. The staff didn't seem the type to busy themselves with mopping up any unfortunate spillages. He mostly kept himself to himself, would exchange in the basic pleasantries with the barkeep and perhaps a faux-friendly nod with the clientele, men he'd sooner push in front of a moving car than engage in conversation with. But it wasn't these people that kept him coming back to the same places so often. Nor was it the product they offered, or the entertainment which was lacking. It was the women. Gregory had around 12 dives, like the one he was currently sat in, that he would visit on rotation, and he treated them as a hunting ground. Usually it was some down-and-out girl that he made his target. She'd be looking for a good time or a ride home, and would make an attempt to befriend him simply because he was far more approachable than the brash, obese, and grotesque that would be the alternative. Sometimes it was somebody who had been separated from her friends or broken up with a boyfriend. Occasionally, it was somebody who had been stood up by a date or finished a shift nearby. Whatever it was, they always flocked to him. His warm smile, neat hair, thin rimmed glasses, and his clean-pressed shirt, he represented a wholesomeness that they were missing in their lives. All girls want that purity. Even if they lived their lives being trodden on by the selfish bravado and desperate attempts to assert masculinity by men who were not worthy to kiss their toes, Gregory knew how to get under their skin, undo the years of institutionalized expectation of what a sexual partner needed to be. All he needed was five minutes of conversation, and he could convince any woman of any age, race, or persuasion to accompany him back to his home. It wasn't a confidence thing, or something lame and predictable like reading well-rehearsed lines. It was noticing the slight changes in temperature of a woman's skin, the way her pupils dilated, and the amount of time she licked her lips while introducing herself. While monitoring these minute details, Gregory could build up a character profile in his head of the girl and begin crafting a story for her to exist in, a world that she wouldn't realize she wanted to be part of until Gregory told her all about it. He made them feel as though he knew them better than they even knew themselves. Annette was different. From across the bar, Gregory didn't think she was a legitimate target. She was flirting between men, flirting and laughing at their crass jokes, her tight-fitting denim shorts riding up her back as she was undressed by the eyes of everybody around. He had seen her earlier that day in a nearby grocery store, and he was bemused at how different she had seemed then. He supposed alcohol did that to people. She barely looked up from the ground, shuffled awkwardly around, and she hadn't noticed Gregory circle her like a shark. She smelled like apple blossom. There was way too much attention on her. And this wasn't the kind of person that Gregory could commit to taking out of the bar and back to his house on the outskirts of Plainview, Wisconsin. He saw a red flag as she approached him in his booth, skipping along the tiled floor. You seem lonely over here, mister, she said, winking. Gregory's stomach flipped over. I'm just waiting for somebody, Gregory responded, trying not to look directly at her. She was pretty. Her short-cropped golden locks, soft in comparison to the striking dark shapes of her angular eyebrows. Her lips were flushed pink without seeming to have been aided by makeup. Her skin was ice-white, but heavily tattooed with dot work and symbols of contradictory belief systems. She was clearly confused or overwhelmed by the culture, but wanted to appear at one with it as a citizen of the world. Well, I'm here, she whispered, winking. It would have been construed as sickeningly saccharine by somebody who wasn't as shrewd as Gregory, a man of impeccable social understanding, despite his tendencies to act as a recluse when he wasn't seeking the company of a woman. Gregory showed his crooked bottom teeth. Yes, he grinned, you sure are. Annette laughed along with Gregory for almost an hour as the bar emptied, leaving the pair as the only customers when last orders were called. Gregory didn't even have to suggest the next destination. Annette's soft fingertips against his wrist did that for him. On the drive home, Gregory found it hard not to look at her slender legs that were crossed delicately in the passenger seat. Her knees were tattooed with mandalas. She was strangely silent, gazing out into the night at the street lamps that whizzed by like engorged fireflies. It took well over an hour to get back to Gregory's house, a secluded two-story building just on the edge of a farm that had once been owned by his uncle. The nearest neighbor was over a mile away, and Gregory was just fine with that. Inside, the house was cold, but Annette didn't complain. Gregory prepared a cold glass of ginger beer for his guest and showed her to the kitchen, which was where he liked to do most of his entertaining. Annette sat at the table in the center of the room, and while she tapped her fingernails on the surface, Gregory took a sharp cutthroat razor to her neck with one smooth sliding motion. He slit her throat, holding her head steady with his empty hand, fingers gripping a clump of hair. He watched the arc of blood jet from the wound with a burning intensity in his eyes, his heart thundering in his chest. It only calmed when he released her hair from his grasp, her lifeless head slumping with her chin on her chest. He listened hard for her last breath, a gargling exhalation filled with the final essence of her life. But it didn't come. He shrugged his shoulders, only marginally disappointed. Gregory left the corpse to bleed as much as it needed to, knowing that the angled floor would allow much of the blood to drain away, the hole in the center of the floor leading to a piping system that linked through the basement to the rest of the plumbing in the house. He prepared his tools in the garage, blades of varying sizes and shapes, some he would use to do the heavy-duty cutting and sawing, removing limbs and large chunks of flesh while others he would use to carefully separate large sections of skin from muscle. He knew that he could have been a very successful butcher if he had put his mind to it. Annette's skin was a little too heavily tattooed for Gregory's liking, but he was aware that the addition of her product to the various artistic ventures he was putting his hand to would give some of the material extra depth, an interesting texture that a lot of the older skin didn't have. Some of it, the covered cabinets and lampshades and sculptures, had a leathery appearance that Gregory wasn't entirely fond of. Part of him wanted to strip the skin from the body of the pieces and start again from scratch. But that would mean more and more trips, even further afield, to find dive bars that hadn't been the last place missing girls had been seen. He'd have to cast his net wider still, and he was growing impatient. Gregory hosed down the stone slab in the middle of his garage that was fairly empty apart from the centerpiece and racks that stored his tools. He rolled up a thick dust sheet and returned to the kitchen. Annette's head was no longer slumped. She was staring straight ahead. Gregory dropped the dust sheet and panicked, looking for the razor in his trouser pocket. Annette called out, a high-pitched yelp that resembled the short, sharp bursts of an alarm. Her head jolted to one side and the other, her tongue hanging out of her mouth. Her head twisted until it was almost facing Gregory, her eyes having rolled back into her skull. Then it snapped the other way so violently that Gregory was sure it must have broken her neck. His throat tightened and his breathing sped up. She yelped again as Gregory found the razor, but he dropped it onto the ground and it slid under the table where she was sat. As he looked at the floor, he noticed her feet were moving kicking out wildly so that her canvas shoes were becoming covered in the blood that had run down her legs. Gregory was convinced that she must be having some sort of fit, but that didn't make the noise that had now become a low, almost electronic hum that was coming from her any less disturbing. He returned to the garage, kicked open a toolbox and grabbed a hold of a screwdriver. He ran back into the kitchen and cautiously approached Annette, trying to avoid the milky whites of her eyes. He stood behind her, grabbed her head and held it against his torso. It was thrashing around like a rolling alligator. He pushed the screwdriver hard into her ear until he heard a pop. Her head stopped moving. Gregory's throat began to open and his breath returned to normal. Gregory continued to busy himself in the garage, sharpening a meat cleaver that he'd become particularly fond of until he was disturbed by the same electronic hum he'd heard from his victim. He returned to the kitchen, kicking the door open in frustration. Annette was awake again, talking gibberish in what sounded to Gregory's ear like an ancient language. Her tongue was clicking loudly, and her eyes were now darting around the room. A trail of blood led from her ear down to her shoulder, and it was as Gregory tried to subdue her once more that he saw the wound on her neck begin to glow in a dazzling blue. Confused, Gregory kept his distance and walked around her, and closer to the door that led back towards the front of the house. Had this woman been possessed by some otherworldly being? Something all-powerful that had been sent from another plane of existence to halt Gregory's murder spree? As if the lives he had been taking were somehow causing an imbalance in the universe? Gregory had always known the work he was doing was important, but he had no idea what impact it was truly having. He shook his head, annoyed at the delusion of grandeur, Annette was now trying to stand, but she looked as if she had forgotten how to use her legs. Her limbs were oddly rigid, and the light that emitted from her neck was now flashing intermittently, as if it were a code or a way of communicating. There was a faint but unmistakable buzzing coming from somewhere within her, perhaps deep within her skull. Gregory thought she must be some sort of surveillance system sent by the government to keep tabs on him. All of a sudden, she was on her feet, her head spinning around as if she were looking for him. Gregory stayed silent and raised the meat cleaver he had been holding tight. She reached out, and Gregory managed to duck out of her grasp. He fled back to the garage, but she somehow managed to follow after him, her tongue clicking as if it were some sort of bizarre radar system. Gregory closed the door behind him and pushed a metal cabinet in front of it. Panicked, Gregory grabbed a canister of gasoline from the corner of the room and began dousing the doorway as Annette began forcing her way inside. The gibberish was now louder and sounded strangely synthesized. Gregory couldn't believe that he'd been so foolish as to let his guard down. He was convinced that she'd been the wrong kind of woman to target. She just wasn't acting at all like the synthetic humans he'd seen on the news, the ones that had been put to work hunting down the terrorists in the Middle East and bringing down drug cartels in Mexico. She must have been a new design. Gregory took a box of matches from a shelf and lit one. Flinging it onto the gasoline and watching An awe as Annette kicked the door almost in half, the cabinet sprawling across the room. She was on fire but didn't seem to be experiencing any pain, her patterned skin melting from her torso as her eyes changed from white to a glowing red. Gregory slid open the paneled garage door and backed outside, the house leading into a cornfield that swayed in the night air. The fire spread and Gregory knew that almost a decade's worth of work was about to go up in flames. However, he didn't feel upset. It was a sense of apathy, he felt. Annette was a skeleton ablaze as she stumbled out of the garage. The electronic hum that she'd been making was now a siren, alerting the authorities to her whereabouts, Gregory's sanctuary being descended upon by helicopters that he could now see in the air, their searchlights lighting up his home, a place he would never be able to set foot in again.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Savant was written by Ben Errington, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Kevin MacLeod and Tom Robson. So, it's competition time. We're giving away five signed copies of The Other Stories Volumes 10-12 collection. If you want to be in a chance to win, just head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash survey. Answer the questions there, and leave your contact email address. We'd also like to welcome a brand new patron of The Other Stories, Kaylee Smith. Thank you so much for your continued support. We at the studio love you. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, then head over to www.patreon.com forward slash fork and cleaver. There you'll find bonus episodes, Q&A extras, and you'll get early access to episodes. Until next time.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.